0: And man, you guys can have a seat. If you need a Bible, there are some in the window seals all around. Some pens as well if you're of the note-taking variety. Um, I'm not typically that, so I understand if you're not. It's cool. So there are these—hey, uh... Patrick. You're awesome, man. Hey, man. I love you. Anyway, uh, there are these words and phrases that those of us uh, who follow Jesus, we say that some of you in the room who don't follow Jesus or you're like new around here— uh, you hear us say that and you have no clue what we're talking about. Sometimes I feel like we, as those of us who've been Christians for a little while, we say things that we don't even know what we're talking about. I call, I, I along with everyone else, this isn't like original with me or anything because I have no original thought. If you know me at all, you know that. Most of everything I say is a quote from a TV show or something. Uh, Emily Woods knows because most of our conversations are like office quotes. Anyway, There are these words and phrases that I call Christianese, right? Have you ever heard this word before, Christianese? And so there are these uh, things that we say that if you're not a Christian, you have no clue what we're talking about. Example, tithe. When in your normal daily life have you ever used the word tithe? And you don't have to raise your hand. How many of you actually know what that is, right? I mean, like, tithe. Money? What? What It It has to do with money, right? Washed by the blood. If you're not a Christian, that sounds uh, real weird. Wait, what? I have to take a bloodbath? That's weird. No thanks. I don't need to be a part of a cult, right? Um, tried that once, didn't work out well. <laughs> it was crazy, right? No, I mean, like, as, as Christians, we know what that means. It's not a literal bloodbath or anything crazy. But, like, we know what that means, but um, if you've been hanging out here for uh, just a short while and you've heard that, you've probably been like, I don't, that sounds weird, right? This is Christianese, right? Small group. Well, small group of what? Small why, what is, what is small? What do you mean by this? I don't understand, right? It's, to us, if you've been around for a little while, we say small group, like, all the time, and so it just makes sense to you, but if you're not in, like, the Christian, like, circles, like, I don't, what does it have to do with anything? Or quiet time. In my house, quiet time just means nap time, right? Uh, <laughs> so, we, we say these, like, phrases and words uh, that some. Those of you who are Christians, I challenge you to be careful uh, how often you use that kind of stuff around people who, who don't understand. You don't want them to be confused. One of those uh, phrases is uh, great commission, right? If you've been around here for a little while, you've probably heard the phrase great commission. Some of you might even be able to, like, reference a little bit of it, but a recent study showed that most of you, uh, <laughs> uh, most of you don't even have a clue what that is, and some of that's probably, uh, you know, pastor's fault for not teaching it as well as they probably should. But the Great Commission, um, if you've been doing our summer reading and uh, scripture memory, you memorized it last week, I think. Matthew 28. Let's turn there. Matthew 28. Let's turn there. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, starting in verse 18. The Great Commission. Commission of what? A piece of art? What is... I don't know. I have... To, I don't know what that has to do with anything, right? And so these things that we say and we may or may not actually understand or we understand to an extent, um, I challenge you to make sure this one, above all, um, you understand what it is. So this is uh, famously called uh, the Great Commission. This is um, the very last words in the, the Gospel of Matthew, and so they must be pretty important. Matthew deemed them worthy to be the last thing he wrote in his gospel about Jesus. And so starting in 18 says this, and Jesus came and said to them, he's talking to the disciples and the crowd that was around before he uh, left earth. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so this is, this is the Great Commission. This is Jesus telling the disciples and then through Scripture, us, those of us who follow him now and those of you who hopefully will choose to follow him soon, calls all who believe him, believe in him and follow him to go and tell others about him, to go share the gospel. And he says to all nations, to as many people as you possibly can, tell them, of the love that God has for them and has paid the penalty that they no longer have to pay if they give their lives to Jesus. So this great commission, that's what this is. If you, if you didn't memorize it a couple weeks ago with our reading, I would challenge you to write it down and memorize this passage. You need to memorize a lot more than this, but start here. This is of utmost importance um, for Christians. The word, uh, one of the things I want us to key in here before we jump to the actual passage I'm going to be teaching tonight uh, is the very first word... Of verse 19. And my translation and yours probably as well, it says, go. The, the Greek word here really implies more, and if you've been around church for a while, you've probably heard this said before, it implies more of this idea of as you go. It's not like get on a plane, fly across the world, do missions for a week, tell people about Jesus, and then come home and live your life. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying, like, as you live life, as you go about doing the things that you as a human being are going to do, these are the things you need to be about. Telling people, sharing the gospel, baptizing them, and discipling them into following Jesus deeper. So as we go, somebody's messaging me. I gotta. I usually put this on do not disturb before I get up here. I forgot this time, and it was distracting me. You ever been walking around like talking to somebody? If you have an Apple Watch and it like just vibrates, and you're like trying not to like look at it, but your hand just like does this number constantly. That's what that's what it would do for me. I would just be talking and go. Um, <clears throat> anyway, random thoughts with JJ. Um, so as as we go, we're called to do these things. Not just uh, every once in a while. Not just when we do a serve day. Not just whenever we go uh, to student life camp or any of that kind of stuff. But as we live our normal lives. We are called to do these things. What does that? What does that look like? What does that look like? If you've been doing the summer reading this week, you were introduced uh, or you started reading the book of Acts, and there's some crazy stuff in Acts. If you've not been doing summer readings, um, you should you should start this week. I mean, all of the Bible is awesome, but Acts there's some crazy stuff that happens in there. There's like tongues of fire and like. Some cool stuff like the Holy Spirit shows up on the scene for the for the first time in the way that we know Him now uh, at the beginning of the Book of Acts and starts to do some incredible, like crazy stuff. Like Peter starts speaking. Peter not I mean he's just like normal like regular like podunk fisher dude. He like speaks and like three thousand people become Christians. (laughs) That's crazy, right? So the Holy Spirit starts doing these incredible things. So you should you should jump in and read. But we're you're introduced to this guy named Philip. Philip. First comes onto the scene whenever uh, there's so many Christians in the in this area. In uh, I think they're still in the Jerusalem area at the time. So they're in they're in Jerusalem, and there's so many people who become Christians that the disciples, the twelve guys who originally hung out with Jesus, they couldn't keep up with taking care of everyone. They could, especially the widows and the orphans, right? They couldn't they couldn't keep up with doing all that because there were just hundreds and thousands of people who now who believe in Jesus, and there's just twelve of them. They're going to do so much stuff, uh, and so there were some cl- complaints about people being neglected, and so they. Um, pick seven guys to take on some of the work. And this is what we see as the first deacons, servants, is is what that word talks about, what it means is to be a servant. Um, And so Philip is one of the first ever deacons. But it doesn't say like Philip had magical powers and and all these kinds of crazy things. Like he was just still like regular, normal dude named Philip, right? Anybody know a person named Philip, right? They're pretty regular people just like you and me. Um, so, uh, regular guy, first deacon, and then you see uh, a couple chapters later, he's sharing the gospel to Samaritans. If you know anything about um, history at this time, uh, in Judaism, Samaritans were outcasts. So they, they didn't worship the right way. They didn't do the right stuff. And so, they were literally looked down upon by mainstream Judaism. But Philip was out ministering to these people, these social outcasts, religious outcasts. He was out sharing the gospel with them because Philip, regular guy, loved Jesus, was compelled by the Great Commission, knew that everyone, regardless of their station in life, rich, poor, outcasts in in the in crowd, everyone needed to hear about Jesus. And then comes to the story I really want us to focus in uh, on tonight in chapter 8, starting in verse 26. You can turn there if you'd like. I'm not going to read it because there's a lot of verses here. I'm just going to tell you the story. But if you want to mark it and read it for later, uh, or if you're doing our reading, you'll get to it, I think, Friday is whenever you'll actually read this passage. But in in, uh, chapter 8, we come across uh, Philip uh, has this dream. An angel shows up and tells him to go south. Doesn't really give him any more uh, direction than that. Just an angel appears in his dream and says, Philip, go south. And Philip says, he wakes up and goes, okay. And he just starts traveling. And if you know anything about the, the region where he was traveling south from was just out into the wilderness. So like for me, that thanks Jesus, I get to go hang out in the woods. That's awesome. I'm gonna go like kill a deer or something. It's gonna be awesome, right? But for most people, you're like, Jesus, what are you doing? You want me to just walk into the woods? There aren't normal humans there. Why would I, why would I do that, right? But he does. Philip just starts going south. No particular... Uh, End point in mind. He starts traveling, and as he's on his journey to go south, he comes upon this uh, Ethiopian man. We, we see uh, in the passage as a eunuch. You can ask your parents about what that means. Um, but he was a eunuch He's uh, from Ethiopia, and not just like regular old uh, Ethiopian. He was actually, he worked for the queen of Ethiopia. He was basically like the lead accountant, so he probably wore glasses or something. I don't know. Um, that's a stereotype. I shouldn't have done that. Anyway, um, so he comes across this uh, Ethiopian guy in a chariot um, with this scroll, and uh, and he sees that it's the, actually the scroll of Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet, his writing. And so we learn in the story that uh, the Ethiopian has the scroll because he's, he actually believes in uh, the God of Israel. He believes in the one true God, but he doesn't know anything about Jesus yet. He had just been practicing Judaism, even though he was from Ethiopia, which is not a Jewish nation, right? Um, so he has a scroll. He's reading. He had, he had gone to Jerusalem to worship uh, at the temple, and he was heading back. Uh, but Philip, it says, feels led by the Spirit to speak to the man. Have you ever been in uh, a scenario, those of you who, who follow Jesus, where you feel there's just something in your gut, right? There's just something that says, man, I need, to, I need to talk to this person. You ever felt that? You don't have to like answer out loud. All right, that's what, that's what Philip felt. And so he, he obeyed. He's, he went up and, and uh, spoke to the man and he said, do you, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian looks and says, I mean, how can I if no one teaches me how to do it? And I don't, I don't know how much more of a softball... Uh, that, a question that is for people who, who understand the gospel. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't really get much easier than that. Like, I'm terrible at softball, and I could still crush that one out of the park, right? I played softball in high school, uh, church softball. It was crazy. Don't ever play church league softball. Don't do it. Not all of those people are Christians. I'm just saying. Um, or if they are, they're not good ones. <laughs> I think I heard more swearing at church league softball than I have anywhere in my life. It was nuts, right? Anyway, again, random thought with JJ. Uh, so he says, how can I if no one teaches me? And so uh, Philip then begins to, to share in a specific uh, passage that uh, the Ethiopian was reading at the time. Uh, I will read this. If you're, if you're turning there, fine. If not, I'll, I'll just read it out loud. Uh, you'll find it in Sage stage, uh, 32. And so this is a passage from Isaiah that's uh, in Isaiah, is chapter 53, verses 7 and 8. But this is the section that he reads aloud. And he says, Like a sheep he he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before uh, its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his uh, humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth." Out of context, it might sound uh, seem a little weird. This is a prophecy from Isaiah about the Messiah, about the Messiah suffering and giving his life up for the rescue of mankind. But um, the Ethiopian asks after they read that. The Ethiopian asks, Philip says, "He says, is that about the writer, or is, or is who is that about?" So again, another softball uh, question. Uh, And Philip says, well, let me tell you who that's about. (laughs) It's this guy named Jesus, right? And we don't have all the words here, but it says that he began to share the good news of Jesus, the gospel with this Ethiopian. And they're just, they're riding along in a chariot. So um, I guess Philip like hopped on and just started riding with the guy in this chariot. And they're talking about uh, scripture. um, And it says that the Ethiopian eventually believed in Jesus and gave his life to Jesus and was rescued from his sin uh, and darkness. Um, And there, it's, This is where the story gets, like, where you see the Holy Spirit doing, like, crazy stuff, okay? The ending of the story, you won't see coming, okay? So they're riding along, and the Ethiopian says, oh, well, there's some water here. Let's just go ahead and baptize me now. That's, I mean, that's fine. And so they get out, and Philip's like, awesome. Yeah, let's go do that. So they climb down into this river or creek or whatever it is, and he baptizes the Ethiopian. And and as soon as the the Ethiopian came up out of the water, um, the Lord—it doesn't say this word, but this is basically what happened. The Lord uh, teleported Philip somewhere else. Like, he disappeared. And so, imagine being the Ethiopian. This guy's like baptizing you, dunking you underwater, and comes up, and then he's gone. I would scream, <laughs> but <laughs> right, there's a ghost. I don't know what just happened, right? Uh, but Philip, he gets teleported somewhere else and does does ministry elsewhere. At this point in church history. Um, the Holy Spirit was doing these like crazy uh, things to try and advance the gospel quickly to get the, the fire started. Basically, we don't see. A, I mean, I don't know the last time the Holy Spirit teleported you somewhere, but it hadn't happened to me yet. I keep praying for it, um, but He hasn't done it yet. So I guess it's not in His will at the moment. But every time I baptize someone, I'm like, "Come on, please teleport me. This would be awesome, right?" Uh, and then I'm like, ah, "Nope, I'm not teleported. Sorry, every time." Come on, man. I'm not as cool as Philip, I guess. I don't know. Um, but the Holy Spirit did some like really crazy cool stuff. But the Holy Spirit still does uh, incredible stuff today. In Philip, we see what this living on mission looks like. This, a life that as you go about just the normal things you do, as you travel, as you go to school, as you do all these things, what it looks like to live for Jesus and to share the gospel, with every opportunity that you have. Now, if you're in the room and you've, you've not given uh, your life to Jesus yet, what I hope you see in the Ethiopian is someone who, who wasn't a Christian when the story started, uh, but he was seeking. If you're here, chances are, unless you're here for like a girl or something, uh, chances are at some level you're seeking to either see if God is real, or maybe you believe that there's a being, but you're trying to see if this God that we believe is real, or maybe you're trying to figure this whole Jesus thing out. Ethiopian… The same spot. He was trying to figure things out, and because he was seeking, God revealed himself. And the same will happen for you. If you seek, God will reveal himself. He just will. We see over and over and over again in Scripture, in the Bible, that's, that's how it works. If you seek God, He reveals Himself to you. The question I ask myself uh, in, in this, though, so I'm, in the context of the Great Commission, that as we go, we live our lives, we share the gospel, What do we see for ordinary people in Philip? Because if you've taken a history class, you've noticed probably that history shines a brighter light on people than reality does. Does that make sense? Like some people are celebrated more highly because of the way history reflects on them than they probably should, and then others may receive more negativity than they probably should in reality. Um, And so when we look at the apostles, we look at Philip, and these great men of faith that got to be teleported by the Holy Spirit, um, and we just think oh, there's, there's something bigger and better about them than me, right? Maybe you, you've not, like, consciously said that, but somewhere in your spirit you've just looked at, like, Paul, right? The greatest missionary to ever exist, right? And you're like, well, that guy's just better than me. Well, I mean, maybe. But reality is, is Paul, Philip, all of these people were just regular human beings. Nothing any more different uh, with them than you and I. So, that means, even though Philip got to do some crazy cool stuff that we may or may not get to do, at the core, what we can learn from Philip is how ordinary people like you and I can live lives on mission. How we can live life as we go, telling people about Jesus. So, the first thing I want us to see here is that Philip walked by the Spirit. Another Christianese phrase here. Um, he walked by the Spirit. What that means is that Philip, as he lived his life, he was sensitive to hearing from the Lord, that, that feeling in his gut. Yeah, he had like a dream and the angel like literally said, go south, right? It'd be nice every once in a while uh, if God would speak that directly to me, right? Those of you who are Christians are like, sometimes God would be nice if you just like showed up and said, here's the thing you're supposed to do, right? But that's not often, that's not how, that's not how he works. It's more like later in the story when Philip was there with the Ethiopian guy and he said he just felt compelled to go talk to the guy. Most often, that's how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. And so we have to be walking by the Spirit. We have to be spending time in the Word, spending time in prayer to feel those leanings because here's one thing I want you to understand. The, often God is portrayed as this uh, ruler and commander and almost puppeteer. Like He wants to have absolute control and like tell you every single thing you should do and every step you should make. He wants to puppeteer control you. But that's not at all what we see in Scripture. God has commands, He has rules, but all of them are really to our benefit, not just so He can have control over us. The way God wants the relationship to work is to be a loving relationship where He guides us down the, the path that actually is ultimately better for us than any other path would be. And so God's not controlling, God leads. Does that make sense? This means yes, this means I'm asleep, right? I see some of that, it's cool. Um, so God doesn't want to control, He wants to lead. And so we have to be walking in the Spirit. We have to be sensitive to those times. So how do we, how do we walk in the Spirit? For Philip, he walked in the Spirit uh, because the gospel, the good news of Jesus, what Jesus had done, had died on the cross, had taken on our punishment, our sin. And if you confess those to him and give your life to him, that you could be rescued from all of that. You could be rescued from hell, which is real. That was on the forefront of Philip's mind constantly. You can see in all of, the th- all of the stories we hear, I mean, we read about Philip. He's sharing the gospel. He's serving people. He's living for Jesus because the gospel was something he thought about consistently. It was constantly at the forefront of his mind. I know I'm guilty, having been a Christian for a long time because I'm old. Um, there are times that I go throughout my day, and I don't once think about the sacrifice that Jesus paid For me. And those days, I know I wasn't fully walking in the Spirit the way I should. And so, one of the big ways that we can be like Philip and walk in the Spirit to be able to sense these opportunities where we need to talk to people and share the gospel with people is to keep the gospel, to keep what Jesus has done for us at the forefront of our minds, to constantly remember the price that he paid for us because there is nothing greater in the universe than that, the sacrifice that Jesus made for you and for me. And so why would, you, why would you ever let anything be, why would I ever let anything be in front of that in my mind? Yeah, you have to like think about school and stuff like that, but on the, on the front of your mind, the focus in everything that we do, the way you live your life, the activities you, the sports you play, whatever it is you do, if you dance or cheer or all the things, right, in all of those things, you're still thinking about the price Jesus paid for you. That's one of the biggest ways that we can stay walking consistently uh, in the Spirit. And in those times, as you're living your normal life, I'm not calling you to like be crazy and like, go move to Africa and live there forever. If you want to do that, it'd be awesome. I'd love to do that. I love Africa. It's incredible. Um, but as you live your normal life, as you play sports, as you do school, as you do all the things that you do, Listen to the Spirit. Listen to the Spirit. Too often, I feel like we uh, suffer from the not-now disease. Um, how many times has this scenario happened to you? Those of you who follow Jesus, you've, uh, you've been going about your day, Somebody, uh, you're, you're sitting next to somebody or you've seen somebody, and you feel that in your gut, the Holy Spirit saying, hey, you need to go talk to that person. And then you say, well, not now. It's kind of weird right now. I mean, if I just went over and started talking about Jesus, it'd be weird, right? So I'm not, not going to do it right now. I'll, I'll do it another time. The problem is, is that other time never comes, right? I mean, I, I know because I've been there often, right? There are lots of times where I'm like, well, not now. It's kind of weird if I do it now. It's only weird because I make it weird. Um, and so that's one of the other ways that we can, one of the things we can see uh, from Philip to see how ordinary people live on mission is that that Philip was willing. Whenever he felt the Spirit lead, he took action. He was willing to do what the Spirit led him to do. And so those of us who follow Jesus, a way that we live on mission, the way that we fulfill the Great Commission, is to consistently be willing to do what the Spirit leads us to do. And that, that sounds, in words, a lot more simple than it is. I know I'm I'm very non-confrontational. Um, <laughs> here's a fun story. So um, I, we just got a pool at my house. You can come swim if you want. It's not very big, but you can come swim in it. Um, but we got this pool, and so I had to, like, level out this area. It was a lot of work. It was real dumb. Um, but I was doing this work. Well, I was about to go do this work, and my neighbor had just gotten a pool, too, and um, he, his pool is way nicer. You can go swim in his if you want, I guess. I don't know. We're not we're not super close, but uh, it's, it's an in-ground pool, and he put some sod around it, and so he's like watering it, right? You know the little sprinklers that like do this number, right? Not like the kind, but like the kind, right? Makes sense. Yeah, right? Good. Uh, the People who listen to this podcast are going to be like, what is he talking about? Anyway, so he's doing that, but like lots of it is pouring into my yard, which on a normal day, I don't care, except it's pouring in the one spot of my yard that I needed to go work in to go do my pool things, and so I'm messaging my wife, Jessie, and I'm like, hey, the neighbor's sprinkler is, like, going in our yard right where I need to go uh, work on the pool, um, and she knows me, and she's like, oh, sorry, because uh, she knows I'm, I'm, like, non-confrontational, um, and so I decided, well, I guess I'm not going to work on it today, and so then I just went to my house and turned on the TV and started, um, started watching TV, and then I just, like, started mustering the courage. I was like, no, this is my yard, dang it. I'm gonna go do this. I'm gonna go talk to this guy about moving his sprinkler so that I can work in my own yard. This is America, this is my yard. Let's go do this, right? (laughs) And so I like, I walk out my fence and I'm like walking over to the neighbor's house and I go up to the door and I'm like, tap, tap, tap. Tap, tap, tap. Because every fiber of my being does not wanna have this conversation with this guy. The Lord helped me because it actually wasn't the guy. It was like his daughter. Um, (laughs) I was like, hey, uh, the sprinkler's in my yard. I need to work in it. She's like, oh, we'll move it. Okay. I was like, okay. And I'm like, I'm sweating buckets, right? I'm like, my heart's like all the way up here. And all I was doing was asking the guy to move a sprinkler. Like who cares about sprinklers, right? Uh, But I was nervous as all get out. Imagine me trying to walk up to somebody's door and have like a real conversation about something that means something. Jesus, right? So I get it. I get those moments where you just don't want to talk to somebody because you, you're nervous about not saying the right things or not knowing enough if they ask the, a question and stump you and you look dumb or maybe they just say no and you're afraid of the rejection and all that kind of stuff. In all of Scripture, though, there's no excuses. The call is just simply to share the gospel, to be willing when the Spirit leads share the gospel. And so I, on a regular basis, have to suck it up, deny myself my selfishness that is afraid of rejection, is afraid of being wrong uh, at times. I have to suck it up and do as the Spirit leads and share the gospel. And so that's, that's one of the things we can learn uh, from Philip here is when the Spirit leads, to be willing. The, there's one other thing I want us to, to learn from Philip here. The band can start making their way up because this is real quick. Now uh, we're going to sing a couple more songs in just a second. The last thing I want us uh, to see about Philip was that he expected God to work. And all of the things that Philip did when he was sharing the gospel, he knew that God wants to change lives. He knew that God sent Jesus to die on the cross for a reason, which meant that he expected God to, to work. So for us, as we live our lives and we try to be normal in our lives, just live normal lives, play sports, do whatever it is, and try try to live for Jesus, we have to expect God to move because we have to remember that Jesus didn't die meaningless, right? He died for a reason because He wants to change people's lives, and so we expect God to move. And that's what really ultimately gives us the boldness to step out and do these things. A guy like me who's afraid of confrontation, I know that God wants to change lives and I know that it's significant enough for me to get out of my comfort zone and go do that. And so this is what emboldens me is knowing and expecting God to move. So Christians, as you go, as you live on mission, be sensitive to the Spirit's leading, be willing to speak when led to speak and expect God to work. Some of you in the room aren't Christians and that's okay. Ethiopian wasn't. All of us weren't at some point but keep seeking. God will reveal himself to you. He will. We see that time and time and time again. Let me pray and then we're going to stand and sing a couple more songs. Father, I, I thank you that you call us and use us to change lives. That you give us the courage and boldness to share the good news. Help us all to live lives on mission, not just to get on a plane and fly across the world to do missions, but as we encounter our classmates, our teammates, our teachers, our family, anyone and everyone that you lead us to talk to, that we would speak about you in your great name. In Christ, name we pray. Amen.